You call it speak and spell? It's amazing. Well, why not? I just love it. That's amazing. I love it. Oh, ask one. Are you really? This is. You did a great job here. I'm the workflow champ. This is this is pro workflowing. Welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lelia, and with me as always are Chase Musil and Ian Fuchs. So, Chase, I heard you missed the Interface meetup in Chicago. Nailed it. <laughs> did you did you actually get to record when you guys met? Did that work? No, we, did, we didn't record. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys recorded. No. no. <laughs> we, we met at a bar in Rosemont, and there was, there was a, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after we got there? God, this f- loud as hell vocal bands are playing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's like a German bar, so they have like this like oompa music that goes on constantly in the background. Music. Oompa music. Yeah, it's amazing. If you're, you know, what's amazing is that you were in Chicago listening to polka. So if you were fans of the, uh, oh, what's his face, um, the Harry Dresden like book series wizard detective based out of chicago there's a great like meta joke inside the series about poco will never die and like use the force it's pretty good but you guys haven't read those books have i'll you? try to imagine, imagine it. files okay Damn. it's cracking me up already yeah i could tell <laughs> working its way in your soul uh, what are we talking about this week <laughs> so cortana is garbage right like that name one second <laughs> i don't understand seriously <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Who names the their conversational flagship interface after the sex sexed up the hologram from their flagship shooter video game? Sexed up. Um, Come on, she's a naked woman in body paint. It certainly gets people interested in using it. Okay, but she's not. I think, but, but here, let me let me let me answer your question. Yeah, most people have no idea who Cortana is, so the name is meaningless. The vast majority of people don't care that it's from Halo and have no idea it's from Halo. So you think that it's better that the that nobody knows what it is? It's meaningless, like Siri. But then the people who do know what it is are going to be even more excited to use it. Uh, I th- I was closer to that line of thinking, like, hey, you know that it, you know what that is? That's a fun Easter egg. Cool. I like Halo. I like Cortana. And most people just don't know what it is anyway. Okay. Because I, I thought everybody knew. Brilliant. I thought everybody knew what it was. And then like talking to people and like reading about it, like nobody has any idea who Cortana is. It's the same voice though, I, right? Or similar? No, it was supposed to be. Yeah, her name's Jen Taylor. And she was supposed to have recorded a lot of it. And then I thought that was true. But after hearing it, I'm not so sure. But at one point, I had read that she did record some of the lines for Katana. I do think it's stupid to name your interface elements out of a video game that you bought as a company. But I, I, it's, I guess it's no worse than calling it Siri after the company that you bought. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like, here's a name. And if you know what it is, good for you. Yeah. But it is more complex. Like, that was the only thing I actually thought about it. Like, having Cortana be three syllables as opposed to Siri be oh. two. But I guess Alexa's three, so it doesn't, you know, names don't really matter. Yeah, although I bet, actually, the longer the phrase is, the easier it is to pick mm-hmm. up and pull that's, it out of the background noise. That's probably true. Actually, that is true. I, yeah. In my experience with uh, the iPhone, <laughs> I'm not going to say it because now it'll freaking work. Um, it It is way too lenient most of the time. Like I've said things out loud and it picks it up and it's like, oh, hey, you said that you said that word that triggers this thing. And I'm like, no, I didn't say that. Whereas like the echo, which we have set in our kitchen, I can say Alex and it doesn't pick it up. And I can say Lexa and most of the time it doesn't pick it up. It's not really you have Alexa that it gets in. Must be really frustrating to live in Norway where Siri is a fairly common name. He'll shout your kid. Hey Siri. That's that's where your mind jumps to. The the four hundred thousand inhabitants of a country that has one percent named Siri. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there's like the five people who have taught a name Siri. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. So digital assistants. It's definitely it's gotta be the future, right? The conversational interface. Maybe not the conversational interface, but at least something that's more interactive and and conversational even if it's not with actual words like that i thought the more complex like conversational based ones are they seem to be the the way that we're moving right because you're instead of like so for example the three of us are fairly well in the know and we know how to successfully you know parse our own language when we're talking to something so if i say 
hey, Cortana, send my wife a message that I'll be home after 5 p.m. or something like that, right? Like we know how to phrase that in the order that the assistant handles it or, you, you know, I'd say the same for any of them, right? As opposed to saying, hey, Siri, and then Siri pops up and you say, send a text. And then she says, to who? And then you say the name, right? Or whatever, if you know what you're doing, which we do, like you guys would say, hey, Siri, send a text to my wife, that blah, right? Okay. You get the, the syntax, right? Exactly. And we know the syntax. And I think you, obviously people can learn it, but I've seen people, I don't know if I've said this before, but you know, I've seen someone who's very technologically adept go through like the four-step process to send a text message every time. I'm like, why don't you just string it together? Like, I don't understand why you're wasting all this time. And so the conversational bit seems to be a much easier sell to people if you say, hey, just tell them what you want. And that's where we're getting with these more complex parsers. So I think, I, I don't know if they're necessarily the future not it. I actually put some thought into it because part of the problem is with talking to people is the miscommunications and problems you have, like just trying to explain what you mean to somebody, especially when things get more complicated than just simple requests. Mm-hmm. Like if you like, I could say, I could say to Taylor, like, can you make a reservation uh, for sometime after dinner at that restaurant we ate at two weeks ago? What was it called? And like, that's definitely not enough for a computer. That's probably not even enough for the average person to figure it out. So you have to go into more detail to explain it. And I just wonder when you start to do more complex things, like, like image processing or video editing or data processing, like lots of stuff like that doesn't really lend itself well to a conversational interface. And really like, they don't really do that much for you outside of like these sort of secretarial tasks. Yeah. At the moment, but I think that's where we're trying to go. But like, what would you use it for? So the examples that we've seen, I don't know, like we talked, we talked about Facebook M a while ago, right Ian? Like the whole, officially, I don't know if we ever like this was the, talked about it. Okay, well, but that and Facebook M is the the service that's sort of like Viv, Vive. I don't know how you say the Viv name. Viv. Viv. It's like Vivian. I think it's Viv. Yeah, yeah. I guess like a Vivian or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, Facebook M is a little different because it's it's AI. It's like an AI uh, um, operator service right. or switchboard, where like if you can't if you can't figure out what you're talking about, it just tosses right. it over. And, to you and my understanding with with the Facebook M is that you. I mean, first off, it's all typed in, which makes a difference obviously you could use dictation on the device to enter the text but it's parsing it as text typed in so there's less room for error which in itself makes some of these other assistants more complex because they're listening trying to decode what you're saying try to understand what context of the word you're using and then build it from there um but yeah like you said facebook m pretty much any facebook page they can build auto responses within facebook for the for the messenger part so if you were to go to the jimmy john's page and you were to say what are the hours for store the store in des moines it could come back right away and it knows you said hours and you gave a location and it can just auto respond with something that's pre-canned versus a super complicated thing like what brand of mayonnaise do you use on this sandwich and how much do you put on it? Like it can't figure that out. So it'd have to kick it over to a person to say, Oh, we use Heinz and we use two tablespoons per sandwich or whatever. But that's also like a single Google query. Mm, maybe. I mean, if you're trying to figure out like you could Google what brand of Mayo does right. this place use on their sandwich. And then presumably you can find like a chow hound article that's going to list that for you. It's some conversation in the forums. Sure. But then that's, you're lacking what makes the digital assistant useful, which is the personalized aspect of it. Right. Like then add it to my grocery list or something. Like, sure. But I mean, so then that's a two step process. It doesn't require a huge AI backend and paying all these interns to run your M. The other difference is, is the way it returns the results. Because if you Google that, it's going to come back with a bunch of links that you now have to, filter through to find the answer you're looking for so you could be six or eight clicks in and out of sites before you find the answer you're looking for versus the idea of these assistants is you ask them a question or give them some type of input and they're just going to kick out the correct output first try yeah they curate it yeah well what supposedly that, what was that website called that you could you would mechanical turk no that you'd send <laughs> no no mechanical turk is that you send queries to like you'd text them a question and then they would send they would text you back the answer and they got and it was like some crazy payment schema where they would get paid like three cents a text or something or three cents an answer there's a wikipedia page called category sms based question google used services. to offer that oh, you could yeah. anyway you could send a, a text message to ask me now g-o-o-g-l i think was what it broke down to that but you was, could actually send a google query and whatever it was basically i'm feeling lucky whatever the headline of that article would send back as a text right. and i used to do that back in the days of a flip phone you know in high school it was like oh i found out about that and it was like oh you could do things like weather uh 50616 and then it would kick back the weather sure. for charles city iowa yep 
no i was i was thinking yeah that's exactly what what i'm getting at but i was thinking how that like that's sort of like your that's a highly curated you know highly you know highly high intensity you know as far as like man hours program where facebook m is like the most assisted version of that where you have a very powerful ai plugged into a lot of you know powerful systems and they're handing the top you know three or whatever answers to the curator himself right. or herself and they give you back the answer i think we were kind of or what what you mentioned where to go out and find the right answer and dig through all the results to get the correct thing is interesting because i wonder where these things get really useful is when you have to do tasks that are really complicated to hold in working memory and so it's really easy to say like do this complicated set of things and it just goes out and does that for you without you having to do all the hub the, the trouble of doing it but i think the really useful part of that is requires more than just a speech interface it requires being able to take so the way i'm thinking here is like data entry so you'd say like okay i have notes from 20 people that I talked to, I need you to digitize these and then find, and then do a summary of all the information from it. And we can do the summary and we can do the digitization. <clears throat> it's the OCR stuff that makes it complicated and then it's combining all these things together that makes it, I think, really useful but also really hard to put together. OCR for everybody, please. Right. I mean, we're getting there. No, no, I'm saying, what is OCR? Explain oh, I'm handwriting sorry, I'm recognition. Sorry. Uh, yeah, optical character recognition. Yeah. And so what we're getting at, like all these input methods are sort of irrelevant because I think they're becoming better and better at handwriting, um, you know, speech processing, all that stuff. Right. So that's all getting better. And what we need to get to is the system that parses all these complex forms of input and then carries out these multi-step tasks, right? Hold something working memory, answer this other answer that's contingent upon the first thing that it found and then spit back the correct answer to you. So this is, if you're looking at Viv, which I watched like the Ted talk or whatever it was, you know, earlier in the week. And they had that example of, was it raining at the Golden Gate Bridge two Three weeks ago, ago at 5 p.m. Yeah. or whatever, right? So there's like all these, you know, disparate pieces of information. It's got to plug them in. And it shows the, like the most interesting part of that whole thing was like, let's look behind the curtain. And then that showed how their, how their system was dynamically writing the software on the fly for that individual scenario. And so that was pretty cool. I mean, it just looked like a, like a big, you know, word flow. It, it certainly flow was, system. it certainly was more complicated, more, elaborate than like a basic siri query which right now siri query haha um, <laughs> uh, that, that's your new website <laughs> siri queries um it's, it's certainly more complicated than that though uh because they were basically saying I, i'm asking for weather and now i'm going to give you all these conditionals about it whereas yeah. siri as it is right now you basically can say weather and it's going to give you the weather either where you are or in a location you asked for so you get like one conditional for it right. but even at that the way that they they showed off Viv, it was not nearly as complicated as I think the the future promise of these these chat things and these AIs are, because like you said, it, right now it's it's not much better than a scheduling assistant or uh, somebody just to interface between your things you're saying and your calendar or your reminders or sending a text message. Um, so it's no matter how you break it down, none of these are the level of actually being an assistant where they could process information or do something i mean i even think of the way my phone is right now i get a grocery list every saturday or sunday my wife goes through finds all the recipes here's what we're going to make for the week and tries to plan everything ahead and she says okay here's all the things we need to make what we have and i'll look at the list on my ipad and then i go to my phone and i either punch them all in or i go to my computer and punch them all in one thing i'd like to be able to do is say siri here's a list of 10 things add them to my grocery list and list off mm -hmm. all 10 of them and have it be smart enough to know that garlic chicken breast are two separate things not one thing to throw on one line all all by itself you know what you really want is right. for your fridge to be connected to your phone to be connected to the recipes you have and you say like okay so you're here are the 10 things i'm making this week uh figure out what's not in my fridge and yeah. then compile a list of places that i need to compile a list of ingredients or rest ingredients so food i need to get ingredients thank you and then also figure out where it's cheapest at the store and then tell me which stores to go to and then if you really want to get fancy with it compile a route yeah exactly that will take me from work to store to home in no, the least amount of time that's too much work i want it to figure out what i need and i want it to just order it through um right, instacart or peapod or right. yeah. whatever and then have it delivered to the front door but I mean, the point is you can do it through any service you want. And I think that's actually something that we haven't mentioned, but I think is important distinction for these sorts of interfaces versus other vocal ones, which is that there's a lot of flexibility and openness allowed 
in how these things work. So like you can talk to about your calendar and your grocery list and your email and text messaging. And I'm thinking of like when you call Delta or something like that, you need to talk to an actual human being, but you have to deal with that terrible automated phone service. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very, that's also a conversational interface, but it's a very different kind because it's very predefined and it only works with an, an extremely narrow range of things that they want you to do. Right. Do we call them goosebumps? Let's just go name those. Goosebumps? Yeah. Why? Isn't that, didn't Goosebumps have multiple endings in some of their books? Oh yeah, there was like the Choose Your Own Adventure one. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's Choose Your Own Adventure, but that adventure is highly pre-described by Delta to make sure that you can't get any money out of them. I I, I can't (laughs) say that I've called Delta, but I've I've dealt with AT&T a lot recently. And I'll tell you what, their their recognition system as far as things you can say and results you can get, I think is limited to like four things. It's basically pay your bill, cancel your service, tech support, other... (laughs) It used to be really bad, the the speech recognition on those things. It used to be just you could never get it to work. And now it's it's actually really good. I had to do a thing where I had got a drug screening and I had to get all that stuff. And even though the category, the things I could choose to do were really bad, I got what I was saying every single time. And I think that's because there's no there's no openness. They know exactly what you're going to say. And so they know the vocabulary you're going to have in there. So they can calibrate it to pick those things up. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the interface is any good because it's not actually like having as much as they want you to think it is. It's not like having a conversation with the person. It's really just like it's like dialogue trees in a video game, except you don't have the benefit of being able to skip the cutscene, right? You have to <laughs> deal with the whole thing all the way through, and it's really bad because if all I want to do is like schedule my test on Thursday at five a.m. or or not at five a.m. but that's when they open and that's when the registration is going to start, I want to be able to say like schedule my test for me next Thursday at 9 a.m. or anytime not at 5. And you can't do that. You have to use their voice to essentially be like a cursor on a page and go through this huge list of issues and things like that. And that's not, that's just not how they're supposed to go. But that's really almost like how Siri works too. It's just, it, they have, there's a few more options to choose from there. Right. Instead of it being like, schedule this or do that, it's like set a timer or, you know, put something in my calendar, call somebody. The, li- the list yeah, of upfront commands is really short, basically. Right. And if yeah. it can't, if it can't do one of the commands you ask for, the de facto result is I'm going to dump you out to Google or Bing or whatever. Yeah. And here's, here's what I found on the web for whatever you just said. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we could try to like, you could categorize these, right? So like at the far end of the like highly tailored specialized spectrum, you'd have like a personal concierge. So like there's an Android phone, an Android phone that was like a Lamborghini I don't know if it was like Lamborghini branded or they're just like, you know, like relating it to Lamborghini, but it's some like super high end Android fan phone. Excuse me if I could talk. And, um, the service that was, that cost so much with that phone was that it just linked you to a one-on-one personal assistant. It was essentially like a better version of the Amazon Mayday button. Like, you know, the Amazon Mayday button is that for the masses, but this was a like dedicated, you always got the same person or whatever when you called. The Amazon Mayday button is on the fire tablets, right? Where you press a button and you get like a live person to help you figure out what to do. That's what they say. And so that's like, so that's on the one end of the spectrum, right? And the, that Android phone is like way on there because it's like, you know, supposedly always there and ready for you. And then on the other end, of the, and other end of the spectrum, you have the really terrible automated, you know, conversational interfaces that you just described. So I think the ones that we're getting used to, like Siri, Cortana, uh, Alexa, they're sort of, I don't know if they're middle yet, but they're, you know, closer to that, like the prescribed, you know, the choose your own adventure style one. And what we want to get to is that, you know, naturalistic conversational parser. It's like the Facebook M, but without the person. Do you really want that though? Like, do you really want it to be like talking to a person? Cause I know trying to give instructions to a person is, can be really frustratingly difficult. I think, I think the difference is that you understand this person's limitations and scope. And so you would be able to give them the best directions as you learn how to go with it. Right. Like it's not like you're giving your cousins from out of town directions on how to get to your house you know, every time you want to say, remind me to pay the bill tomorrow at noon or whatever, and then also get us reservations at whatever restaurant. But what I mean is like this presupposes that uh, voice is the best way to interact with the computer. And I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Ooh, that's a good question. I know for me, the, the comfort of doing it with voice is is very conditional on where I am. Because like I said, we have the echo in our kitchen and I have no problem yelling commands at edit to set a timer or add something to our shopping list or remind me about this or play music but when i'm sitting at my desk at work i would i I never touch siri at my desk because there's something about now speaking out loud with other people around that i'm like i don't want them to think i'm trying to talk to them um i don't i I just don't like doing it so 
situation I'm 100% really on board with that. Difference. Yeah. Yep. So there's this whole thing now, like uh, this movement, I guess, in like UX design, where like the best interface is no interface. Uh, and the idea being like the best interface is the one that you can talk to, or at least the one that is invisible to you. And that's always been sort of taken to mean a bot or a conversation or something like that. But I've seen a sort of counterpoint to that, which is the best interface is the least interface, which is the one that provide that is the least. I imagine this means that it's the one that's uh, like least disruptive and distracting that still allows you to get your job done in the most efficient way possible. Sure. And I just, I just don't think voice is often the best way to do that. I- I think Ian nailed it. I think it's all situational because there's scenarios in which I do not want to type like walking around. So having kids, right? So like having a new baby, there's, I've, I have re like fallen in love with the connect on the Xbox just because of the ease of like walking around and be able to send that commands, right. Or whatever. And just say things to it. And that's only, and it's purely conditional based on now that I don't want to grab the remote where before it was almost like a fun thing to say like, Hey, Ivory, can you grab the remote and turn the volume down? Like, because then she's like doing it. Anyway, so I think it's highly conditional, but one of the conditions that needs to be met is a voice-only interface. I, I do believe that. I mean, driving... Do you really? Yeah, I totally do. Well, that, okay. Like, there's there's conditions where you want to use voice if you want to do anything and not do any other type of input, and any input that we have today. But I don't want to do that with Illustrator. I don't want to ask it to, like, draw Bezier curve with this formula, formula no, or do anything like that. Yeah, but that's... I mean, but I mean, be sensible. Like, nobody wants to do that. Like, <laughs> that's that's obviously not a use case for voice. Right, but I mean that there is some line to be drawn there, and I'm not oh, yeah. necessarily sure what that is yet. I mean, like, is it a certain amount of complexity, or is it just different kind of? Is it? It's got to be. It's like it's a, like the task, right? It's the task, but it's the complexity of the task. Because like, if I could say in Illustrator, like, draw a red circle in the center of the screen and put a large white H on top of it that was the same color as the background, like that would be a really useful way of doing it. Sure. But at the same time, wouldn't something where you could very poorly sketch it out with the mouse and it correlates that into you you drew roughly oh. a rectangle with the red right. color and now it adjusts um like adobe right comp. like adobe comp where you can like kind of halfway make a circle or even um the way that they handle it on uh microsoft powerpoint on the ipad and especially with the the new ipad with the apple pencil where you want to circle something in your slide deck or you want to add a circle here to to add text to as long as you draw something that's roughly circular it will then translate that into a circle and so uh, just like again it's, it's all that was, whole like contextually if i'm trying to do something and it kind of looks like this know what i'm trying to do and be smart enough to to understand the difference so i wonder if like a voice so what i'm thinking here that's a good point or but i was also thinking if i'm just trying to draw something simple like i can probably do it faster than i can say it and yeah. i wonder if the voice is a really good way to get people into something people who have no experience with it are not advanced with this interface at all of the tools that they're using but once you get to a certain level of expertise it becomes a lot easier to rely on direct tools as opposed to the sort of indirect fly-by-wire control by voice system right and i think there's definitely going to be situations where it's better right like i think i think our lives have been uh, immeasurably improved by having drive by wire but somebody who's really skilled at driving a car is probably going to prefer being as close to their actions actually impacting what they're doing as possible but for the average person it just doesn't matter that's not what they need yeah so what's the future of fixing all this or maybe what's how, how do we how do we move from where we are like what's what's the next step what's the step 10 steps from now well, like anything else I think that the answer is choosing the right tool for the right job. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think so. That's absolutely the case. And I think where we get in trouble is with the muddy water areas where you have systems that can be used with both. And so you want to control your your 10-foot interface with your voice or you want to con- do your controller or you're on your computer and you want to tell your computer something, but it's probably just as fast to type and click it. And anytime you have to compromise by allowing multiple input devices to work and then try to optimize for both of them you get in big trouble at least that has sort of been the you know that what we've seen in history and so like my favorite example of compromise and it sort of works but it's still total compromise is like the surface right because it's not a laptop but it's not a tablet and you know like you also you have all these peripheral problems like the ecosystem for applications and you have you know like a you know a smaller keyboard when you have the type or you have the like kickstand to kick out or whatever, so it's not firm on a laptop like a laptop is in your lap and all these things, right? But it can do sort of all of them, but just not it's not really the master of any of them, right? So the jack of all trades, master of none is a real thing, especially with input devices. 
could be useful. Desktop Neo has, so we, I think if we talked about this a little bit in the past, it's this sort of redesign of what a desktop operating system could be. And there's, there's a section on voice. And it, it is sort of a jack of all trades, master of none here, but it could be quite useful. So some of the examples on the page are uh, move Spotify here, keep this pixel, keep this 20 pixels below that image, make this the background on all slides with images. I think it's really good for these complex conditional things. Yeah, I think that's true. But I mean, what we're really just talking about is like programmatically changing things, right? It's like I want I want to set my variable to be that image, right. and then yeah. So it's, it's rules. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's hierarchical thinking. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, so would you guys use like would you replace Siri today? Like that's a good question. Like with Viv, or I don't know that M is replacement, but if you had an M comparable service, a Facebook M comparable service. <laughs> Do you think you'd replace her or like you just know that that's what works? Well, we all know my my recent feelings with with Siri and and my comment what, a couple of weeks ago. We, we did the uh, jokingly before the episode, the coin flip thing and Siri just completely didn't understand. And I, I would replace Siri at this point because if you're going to work 25 percent of the time and then be smug when you do work. Like you don't deserve to be my interface. Like I want something better. I want something. <laughs> I want something that's going to be consistent. I would rather have consistency over entertainment. Um, I feel like that's the value that Google Now brings. I mean, that's just my. Right. You know, after using the majority of these digital assistants, Google Now is the one that works like the best most of the time. And there's no, there's really a lack of personality. Right. And that's is Google Now a voice interface, or is that just the one that like suggests things to you based on context? It's all of it. Yeah. It's Google Now. It's with, their digital with, assistant. With yeah. an Android phone, you can say, okay, Google. And as long as you have that widget set up on your device and have it configured to use that, it will wake the device and, or if you're on your home screen, it'll activate it. And then you, it'll take whatever command you give, whether that's asking to search for something look up a phone number, do math, whatever it is, it, yeah. it will do it for you. Very similar to how, how Siri works on the, the newer iPhones. I think it falls, like all of those are on the same. I didn't say Google Now earlier, but Google Now, Siri, Cortana, Alexa, they're all in the same you know, yeah. realm today. And the thing that really defines the differences in those, at least for me, is the services that they're, is that the services that they're connected yep. to. Right? Alexa is yeah. really great at Amazon you know services what, and Google's great about incorporating all your Google services. The the Echo is is kind of a, a weird a weird thing in there because it can interface with all these other services or connect out all these other services. Mm. I mean, with with the Echo, you can add things to a Google Calendar. You can mm-hmm. through IFTTT, you can send things from the Echo to your iOS Reminders app for your shopping list. You can, as long as the things you want to use have an API, right. And are the things you use? There's no API for my piece of paper, right. right? Right. So wait, does that? So do we say that Alexa's like the best I, of these today? I I have not used Cortana. I have used Google Now, and I have She's used super. I, I have used yeah. Siri, and I've used uh, Google Now. And in my experience, the things, the combination of the consistent reliability of the the echo and alexa and the tasks she can do and the constant improvement and evolution of it i think to me are the things that make it the the best of them yeah i've i've heard similar things that's it's it's interesting to hear that that sort of the the one that you wouldn't expect by a major right like you know i mean they're a major software company but not the one that you would think of initially right, right? mostly what i've heard about why alexa is useful is for like smart home controlling and then most of what I've seen for that is like turn the TV on, change the radio station, turn the lights on, and I can do all that with like a button and a switch. Right, but in this like in this vacuum of digital assistant comparisons, that seems to still yeah. be the most connected one and consistent sure. one. Yeah, no, no, sorry, I think you're right that like out of those ones, I think Alexa is the best. It has the most services. It seems to be respond the best. I'm just like going back to the the previous thing we were talking about, which is what is the point if like I can do it better and faster myself? I I just don't think that's always the case. Yeah, tell I mean, me like, what what's your what's your fastest way to add something to your calendar right now? Uh, I can go ahead. I can so here I'll do it right now. I can open this up, and this is kind of cheating because I use Fantastical, which has natural language processing in it, and I can do it really quickly because I know the rules of how it interprets the things that I right. say. Sure, but for me, I could uh, I could walk into my me, kitchen and I could say, Alexa, add record interface episode seven on Thursday at noon to my calendar, and it's done. Okay, so th- that's a good example of I think where it succeeds for everybody, regardless of skill level. Yeah, oh, that's true. Unless you're level. like a wizard at typing, 
on the virtual keyboard. Yeah, but even that, like, it's like access to the keyboard would be the would be the barrier at that point, not like your skill with right. the keyboard. Like, I, I don't have to right. take anything out of my pocket. I don't have to do anything. It's just there. It's it's always ready. And so, is it maybe in that case, it's because calendar entry can be so variable and complicated. And so, for a long time, you had to break it down into like very specific prescri- like pre pre prescribed prescribed parts. Thank you. And uh, so, like, you had to add, like enter the date using the date picker, and then you had to enter the calendar using like the menu, that kind of thing. And so, being able to do it naturally makes that a really easy natural task to do. And I think that's right now that's still a drawback of of any of these services i feel like even though they're getting better at quote natural language they still have a very um a very specific way that they want you to say things and i saw a really good article on uh the loop today about how if you ask siri or this uh the writer at the, the loop basically said i asked siri about last night's nhl game and it came back with some crap answer that wasn't accurate and he said what was the score of the nhl game last night and the way he said it that he said Ugh. what it was and then gave the time versus the time and then the event that it, it processed those different so one of them gave the correct answer one of them gave, gave a totally wrong answer and why is that even a thing because it's it's looking for it in a certain way right such a huge turnoff too like can you imagine using it the wrong way the first exactly. time like, well i'm done mm-hmm. well if you if you have no reason to try it the other way why would you so it's really it, it, to me it sounds like the problem is that they can't understand you they don't have access to the tasks you want to do and then the ones you actually want to do you can do better and faster yourself most of the time yeah yeah that sounds good so context so contextually right like right we need to we would we want assistance that would do let's say voice input for just no scope it down to voice in the scenarios in which we don't have access to an input device right or we can't use an input device so driving walking you know in your home with your arms full right like so there's there's all these scenarios that do use it but then even then i'm not i don't think any of us are sold that the current generation digital assistant is what we want so hear me out as i say something that sounds completely insane what you really want is a natural language system that allows you to be the ceo of your life in that like a ceo doesn't have to bother with with getting things done in their calendar or figuring out what the art direction next week needs to be or any or like solving the problems of the coding Logistics, like that they yeah. just say like here's what i want and then they delegate it out to the people who are really good at doing that right. so is that really what we want to do and then what sort of things in your life day to day or just like overall do you need to get done that you're not good at but you have to do anyway yeah that's a i don't know like i'm thinking of that what was there a google like did they have an inbox prototype or something or beta going out where you like did the filtering the smart filtering for your email yeah yeah, like that's what i want but i want the one that i trust and so like trust and automation is a whole other thing but like let's let's just assume you can trust it that's the service that i would be really interested in i think most people would want or anybody that deals with a high you know email traffic volume would want something like that because that kills so much time so if you track your time like i do and i'm spending in normal you know business hours and spending hours a day in email or communication tasks what a waste so basically you want something that creates its own rules and does its own thinking in the background which i mean gmail to be fair already you, does a lot of that filtering out updates yep. social things promotions and trying to keep the stuff that's not necessarily the important email out of your inbox and keeps it somewhere else but to, to be even more intelligent about it and say this is like i, I for me it's it's always Am I CC or BCC'd on this email? Because if I am, it's probably not important for me to look at. It's probably just like, hey, we just want to make sure that you're in the know about what's happening right now. If if my name's in the to field, then yes, put it in my inbox. Otherwise, put it somewhere else that I can look at it later because it's I can't be bothered with it. Outlook does that. It does a really nice job of identifying like what is relevant to you and what isn't. And the, I don't know how it does that. The focus but, inbox, whatever they call it. Is that yeah, yeah. it's really, really good. Uh it's uncanny almost in, how in my it experience is. with the focus yeah. inbox if there's not an unsubscribe button at the bottom it goes to the focus inbox and if there's an unsubscribe it goes to other <laughs> yeah it's oh really i haven't had like that experience mine, at all I, and I, I i imagine part of it's because 99.9 percent of my email that i was getting through the outlook uh and this is specifically on the ios app also not the uh the desktop app but on the uh the ios app 99.9 percent of the email i was getting was from an email address internally 
And so I think it kind of automatically prioritizes those and says, well, these should be filtered as focused because they're internal communication. It's like, well, you need to understand that if all of my email is internal communication, figure out what's actually important and what's not important. And and supposedly it was supposed to kind of learn what was important and what was not important, just like their clutter folder was supposed to move stuff that wasn't really wasn't important out. And ultimately mm-hmm. it it just dumped almost everything into focused. The Spark inbox for iOS does something similar. It, it, it categorizes it, and I've had really good luck with that one too. It also, it, interesting point talking about CC and BCC. That sort of that might be an issue with uh, the way email is set up, which is based around the idea of an interoffice memo, where you would like carbon copy or blind carbon copy somebody on something like that. And really, what you need is different categories for saying like this is directly something you need to deal with. This is something I'm just keeping you in the loop with. This is something you might want to feed and give me feedback on, but you don't have to. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the Spark does an interesting thing too, where if you are writing an email, it just has like the two fields right there. But then if there's no obvious way to BCC or CC somebody, but all you have to do is type CC, and then it'll give you a little CC field to put in there. I thought that was a neat little. Oh, I didn't know that. Thing. And that's that's really that's what you want. You just you say what you mean, and then it does it for you. And that's what you want in a natural yeah. language interface. Hmm. The problem is just like talking to anybody else, what I think I mean is often not what somebody else hears. Right. So this is where, I mean, this is more a little more grandiose for like how the digital assistants work, but digital assistants all today, or at least the majority of them that I know of all start with this, a general model and then they personalize to you over time. And so right, that right. it's machine learning and deep learning are all the different types of, you know, ML and, you know, artificial, artificial learning in general or whatever you want to call that category as that improves i would suspect that the digital assistants like the plain jane digital assistants that we've been talking about will continue to get better and better for you so you're saying the key here is that it, because it can learn from you you no longer have to worry about it misunderstanding what you mean because it just it knows what you always mean when you say that that would be my assumption and it would also learn your like your learn your tendencies so ian's focus inbox is different from andrew's focus inbox is different from my focus inbox Right, right. Because the adaptive I would, interface. Yeah, I mean, you would like learn what you interact with. Be like, well, um, you've just straight up ignored these emails, so these don't need to go in your focus anymore. But you always interact. You always go dig these out of the trash. So I'm going to put these in your focus. It would also be helpful if it could also figure out things like if it just sits in my inbox for three weeks, four weeks, or it's an email that I just keep, I, you know, with like Outlook, I keep snoozing the same message over and over again. And I'm like, yep, show me this tomorrow. Yep, show me this tomorrow. Like, eventually it should just figure out like you're not going to respond to this or stop letting me snooze it or like it, it needs to be smart enough to say just do something with this or get rid of it yeah i, I think w- that's a that's a problem could for be. you i don't know if i want my interface to be like <laughs> that opinionated about how i do well, with my email i think if you i think if you okay it right like i mean there's so this is like a lot of heavy lifting on the front end yeah. right because you need to set all this shit up and get your preferences learned but um once it knows that you're, you're like after five snoozes, I'm done. Like I'm not going to interact right. with it. Like I would actually want what I'd want that to do. Cause I, I do very similar things. Um, after my fifth snooze, I want it to never show it to me again, but then also reply to the person and say, I don't have time to read right. this right now. If you want to talk about this, please resend it to me in the future. And like, and I verbally tell this to people like, and it's already what I tell people. Like if I see them and they're like, Hey, did you read that thing I sent you last week? I'm like, you know what? I have no idea. If you want me to read it to me, you can reping me up to once a day. If I ignore it, I mean, it's because I don't have time, but feel free to like re-email me. And lots of people have like email etiquette, etiquette is different everywhere. So people are like, Oh, I don't want to worry you. I don't want to like spam email, spam email you. I'm like, no, I'll just ignore it if I don't want to read it. So ping me again. Yeah. And that's, so that's why you needed to be personalized. Exactly. See, and for me, it's because I'd be just fine with that. For message. me, it's like snooze it, snooze it, snooze it, snooze it, and eventually, it's like it, it would figure out that I only respond to this type of email at three fifty nine on a Friday when I'm about to walk out the door, because I'm hoping that over the weekend it can fall to the bottom of their inbox. Like, if if you can figure <laughs> that out, that when I get yeah. an email like this on Monday and I snooze it. If I snooze it again on Tuesday, just don't even remind me about it until 3.45 on Friday. Be like, oh, by the way, here's that email. Until, until the server crashes because you didn't read that email and it was critical information you did to make <laughs> Well, then I should have marked it high priority. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Like that guy who always emails everything high priority because he doesn't <laughs> understand how to change that flag in Outlook. <laughs> so I actually, I'm really interested, Chase. We, we got on this email tangent. I'm curious what you meant by trust in a system. Like, Because I trust Siri and everything implicitly. Sure. Like I trust it to 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 be like, you, are you, well, what do you mean by trust? You yeah, trust yeah. like for privacy? Do you no, trust I'm it for like, information? Okay. Do you trust it like what is? Yeah, so that? I think that a trust as an umbrella probably co- incorporates all of that. But specifically, what I'm talking about when I want a digital assistant, 
a digital assistant to take action for me on like it's it's essentially saying i can trust this thing to make choices for me that i'm not approving on an individual basis and where the trust makes a difference is like make reservations at a restaurant we like next week okay so like it's gonna like search your calendar for the time that's available between me and my wife find a cal- find a place that we both like and then schedule it right you know like there's a lot of assumptions and choices being made behind the scenes and I think that I would have to have a decent amount of trust built up within the system before I'm going to allow that level of decision making to happen without my individual approval per step. Okay. Okay. And so like an interesting way of talking about trust and automation, just cause you know, you gotta, you gotta spin in the research side of it. So we tried to measure this in a way when we had farmers come in and we were trying to automate part of their unloading process. And so there's no, like, I don't want to just ask them, do you trust our system? Right. Or whatever. Do you trust this right. thing? You could do it with automated cars or whatever. But what we did was we checked, we recorded them, and then I went back through and watched how many times they looked at the individual thing that was being automated. And so what we're hoping for is to see that that number of looks would decrease as they use the automation over time. And that's what we saw. So, you know, although like number of looks is not directly linked with trust in this scenario, it was good enough for us to start to probing them deeper, say, hey, you didn't look at it at the end there. Did you like it? You know, so anyway, that was a, a unique way of measuring trust in the system. But yeah. um, I think you want to get to that point with a lot of these digital assistants. One of my favorite things about computers and HCI in general is that uh, like, if computers do something too fast, if you perceive a task to be very complicated and the computer does it instantaneously, you do not believe that it has done a good job doing it. This is the, they had an issue with this, I believe, when they were developing Photoshop, where people would have like ga- these big Gaussian blur filters and all sorts of heavy workflow things going on there. And because it's a computer, it can do it instantly. And people are like... I, I don't believe it. They'd run it, have it do it several times because they just didn't think it was doing it right every time. And so some systems have put in artificial delays specifically so you trust it more. I have a really good example of that is I, so I was telling you about that workflow that I have for work before where it, it filters through two lists and it finds duplicates and pulls yeah. the duplicates out. In the workflow app, you actually can see it roll through all the steps where it's mm. like, I'm getting this record. I'm checking this record. It's a duplicate. Throw it over here. I'm checking this record. It's a duplicate here. This one's not a duplicate. Put it here. And you see it cycle through these. It's an Excel filter. Like, literally, it, it could do it in a matter <laughs> right. of seconds and just dump all the information out. But to make it look like it's doing the work, they they animate it and actually play through the whole cycling of it. I don't know if I call that, like making it look like it's doing the work because it is doing the work i think that's more in it, like a uh a transparency thing it's it's being very clear but, about what it's doing as opposed but to if i run it box. i think if i possible. run a list of a thousand a thousand through to see if they're duplicates or not it might take two minutes to do that whole process and it doesn't actually i i can guarantee it doesn't actually take two minutes for it to process that whole list because the, again right. they, it looks like it's doing work and they want to animate it so you see it doing the work Instead of just like it would be nice if there was a setting I could say just do this and then kick kick the output just out. Do I don't it. need to see it. I want it to be as fast as possible. Like in Pokemon, you could turn off attack animations. That's wow. That's amazing and correct. Um, and, and what we're talking about right is, of course, feedback. Right, like people need feedback to know that what whatever their decision right. decision was has taken action and, and it's working. So you give people the feedback initially like oh yeah it works and then i think you're right you could drop it at the end be like okay i really don't need to see this whole animation anymore just give it to me as fast as possible so here's the problem with us being three white guys in tech recording this podcast like do other people who are not of the same like very narrow class of us think that computers can do things instantly or are they still not convinced when it does something that seems complicated quickly I, i would think that the perception is like computers can do anything instantly they're super fast they're smarter than me i think that's the case so then do we still need to worry about that sort of thing? Like, does transparency matter anymore? Or is it just a case of, like, when does it matter? Is it for these sorts of things where you're not sure if the, the speech interface did a good job picking you up? I, th- I think it's more so just for the reassurance and the feedback of it that, that people want to see it. I mean, look at Siri when you activate it and you say, you know, Ahoy Telephone, and it activates instead of it just waiting or whatever like the screen lights up and the whole thing happens and like it used to be that it would actually ping back and be like i'm listening and and now it doesn't do that because now it comes up right away it's just one of those confirmation things it gives you the reassurance that hey now it is in fact listening and it is in fact ready to take a command even if it didn't need to do that for it to actually be ready to take the command right although yeah, I don't know. I feel like so Wolfram Alpha has this reputation of being something you can do really complicated stuff for you. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it doesn't seem like it's faking it. So I just asked it to calculate for me uh, the number of molecules in Jupiter's atmosphere, and it didn't quite get it. Uh, it got the major <laughs> constituents and percentages of each, but it was actually it, shed, it it had this little like computing display running in the background. Well, I think it was actually doing the math here, but I don't think it's pretending to do more work than it was because this thing that I asked it to do was particularly challenging. That that is an example of where I don't think it's faking it right. Like that probably did right. take a few seconds to run. I feel the same way whenever I pull like if I have anything that like queries cloud searches or like is searching databases like as that spins for a few seconds, I have no problem believing that it takes a few seconds right. to well, do that. Especially with cloud services right. because it has to connect out to the service, get the information from there, deliver it back. Like even if you're over, you know, the fastest T1 you can imagine, like it's, it's back. <laughs> uh, it, it does take a few seconds to, T1. to get out there and get back. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's all digital yeah. systems, right? Like I suppose we're not, you don't have that software on your that's phone. True. Like that's all going that's to true. the cloud and coming back. Did you know the coldest temperature, the, the the temperature of Jupiter's atmosphere is minus 163 degrees Fahrenheit, which is just 25 degrees colder than the coldest temperature recorded on Earth? It's 25 degrees colder than the lowest temperature. That's, that's bananas. the lowest on Jupiter? Or the warmest? It's the Jupiter. average temperature. Oh, the average. You know, the test would be to ask Siri this now. Like, Siri, what's the lowest temperature recorded on Jupiter? Well, Siri will throw it straight to Wolfram. Well, oh, she will? She, she integrates with Wolfram Alpha? Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's your test. Will she throw it to Wolfram? Looking. I found this on the web. There it is. It's a Bing search. what's the lowest. So oh. that is my problem. It has Wolfram built in. Yeah. So this that trust thing we were talking about, I lack trust in Siri because... Oh, yeah. Ian, Ian's trust level is my low. My trust level with Siri is very low. <laughs> Ian, on, so a scale, on a scale of one to seven, one being low, seven being high, how would you rate your trust in Siri? One to seven. What a strange... <laughs> It's the Likert scale. That, and that's like the most common Likert okay. scale. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I have guess. Sure. Um, one to seven, I think between three and four. Okay, so that's fair, right? Like, I, and that's, probably- that's with the results I get out of it. Now, my on, on a one to seven on how often I think it understands what I say, it's probably like a yeah, two. That's a different question. Because I okay. feel like sure. when she understands me, mine's a she, yours might be different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, I like having a man in my pocket. That's I good. Um, when she understand when she understands me, I feel like it's it's just slightly better than fifty fifty that she'll actually help with what I ask. But the likelihood that she'll understand what I say is significantly lower. Yeah, I think like my Xbox is like seventy five. 75 like it hears me 75 percent of the time and then when it does hear me it works 75 percent of the time (laughs) i was like 75 75 does not math out buddy (laughs) well let me let me tell you how math works boys so no um (laughs) so i think that's better but like but this is a system that has super high constraints and only has has very limited inputs but like when i use you know google now i think that's probably got like an 80 percent plus like recognition it does i feel like google now is really well like it hears really well and then probably a comparable like you know I don't know what it like follow through rate is as it completes the task I wanted to pro- perform. So like Google now for me is probably like a five or six in trust. Like it's, I have, I trust it to do a lot of things, but not make my reservations yet. <laughs> That's so high. Can you imagine if your steering wheel only turned 80% of the time and then only passed that input to the wheels correctly another 80% of the time? That's amazing. That sounds like, oh, <laughs> like, you know what? That's an amazing video game. Right. So I think Wolfram Alpha is actually a pretty exemplary exa- exemplary example of uh, a natural language interface. So if you Wolfram query global climate 1800 to 2000, it does a nice job of like being transparent and giving you what is actually useful versus what you might necessarily want to see, but presenting it all there for you. So it, it, it says like, here's how I interpreted what you were looking for. And then it gives you information about the results and then it shows you a graph. Yeah, so... Yeah. And then it shows you all the places it got that information from. So it shows you really clearly, like, here's what I thought you were doing. Here's what I'm going to give you based on that. And here's how all that stuff fit together. And then you have a lot of options to go do more stuff with it. Yeah, I think Wolfram Alpha is a is a system in which you inherently have to have a little bit of trust in because it's all that what you just described is it making decisions without your consent. But it tells you what it made and it shows you, it gives you information to figure out why it made those decisions. No, that, and that's all great. And that's all transparency, but it's still making the decision. Right. So I think it's like, a, that's a really good example. Like what you just said is a yeah. really good example of this. Right. That's it having some, uh, some, uh, uh, self-motivation. What's the word I'm looking for? Agency. In oh yeah. And what it's doing. Sure. And that's what you want. But you, I think they've done a really good job of making sure that it's you clear why it's making those decisions so yeah. that you build that trust in it automatically. 
just like you do with anybody else when they explain why they're doing something and that you think, okay, that was the right thing to do. I trust you more in the future. If I give you a task, you can do the right thing with it. And eventually it takes over and controls everything. And then Skynet my good Terminator. What you're thinking of is a Roomba and it's on the market today. So yeah. <laughs> I trust it to vacuum the floors uh, more than I trust Siri to answer questions. That's for sure. <laughs> Roomba to answer your questions. Trust Roomba, can you turn the vacuum on? Alexa, vacuum my office. See, that's a dope integration though. Like, right? Because then it would know. Yep. Really good, yeah. right? Call the Roomba. If the Roomba's not working, then I guess call a maid service and have them come do it. That would be amazing. I, no. Because then you have to be there. Do you? You could have like you could have like digital signing via Alexa. Email the janitor. You like you pre-approve particular services. That's always oh, so. This is this makes total sense. Well, if she connects to the she connects to the locks on the house or the the office or whatever, she just sends yeah. a signal over and unlocks the door, turns the lights on, turns the lights off. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Volvo thing. Do you see this? Like you can make deliveries to your car, and it will send out a one-time like essentially a one-time electronic key to the to the delivery service, and they can open your trunk with it, put in your stuff, and close the trunk, and then it won't work again. What? Alexa, make up with my wife. Oh my God. Sends her a heartwritten text message explaining that the argument last night was all my fault, buys flowers and sends them to her and then makes a reservation at her favorite restaurant with a bottle of, uh, yeah, a bottle of champagne already ready to go. I have a workflow for that. <laughs> the this, I f***ed up button. This is I'm sorry, birthday, Mother's yeah, Day. Christmas. Yeah, you're right. Like there's a button for each of these. I just have an icon on my home screen. I hit it and it executes the workflow and does all of that. <laughs> but what you don't have is a Alexa, please make my son happy. <laughs> oh it worked weird alexa's really good oh, wow that's impressive yeah wow <laughs> anyway do we honestly think that they're going to get better anytime in the near future digital assistants in general yeah yeah absolutely think about they like i'd like today to five years ago <laughs> yeah but that's a big jump it's the sort of it's the curve where there's this huge jump very shortly and then as time goes on you get i think this all turns. depends on yeah, the service i don't think we've hit that yet because google now google's always learning so it's in theory always improving um, like I said before, the the Echo is every Friday you get an email and it's like, oh, here's new things that the Echo can do that it couldn't do before. Versus Siri, like I talked about uh, in the Slack the other day, like how is it possible that we're four years on, five years on, however many years on since Siri's come out and they've added a couple other services, but simple things never get added. There's no open API for it things like apple can add things in server side but they're they're canned responses to very specific questions so i I think that depending on the service some of them are getting better at a pretty good rate and will continue to get better as more things become available to get better at i buy it i buy it and i'm in as soon as that as soon as you get the system that is personalized enough to me i don't know how to validate that like i don't know what metric or method is going to be used to say like thumbs up siri you're like you're on my good list you know, start making decisions for me and then like what level of decision do you can make for me i don't know I, i'm not there yet but i think i i could be there is what i'm saying i'm open to that future yeah. i can't wait to talk to my phone in public more to your phone eventually it's eventually it's her with the little earpiece right i was just gonna say we all need to go rewatch her right yeah that's yeah. exactly it yeah which that movie is super good right like i think i think it's really important i think that i think in like 10 15 years we'll look back and see that, that movie is a lot more important than people give it credit for today or you guys will think that. I think that. You can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash six. Send us your questions on Twitter at underscore interface FM. Uh, we're on Facebook. Search Interface Podcast. Click the mouse cursor. And if you're into conversating on Reddit, you can join the discussion each week at r slash interface podcast. And we check that. That's fantastic. Good, good. No, that was a good one. Thank you.